you together, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are supreme above all. I thank you that you are our Abba Daddy, God, that you know the number of hairs upon our head, Lord. I thank you, God, for favor, Lord. I thank you, God, for peace of heart, peace of mind. I thank you, God, that we are not bound to our past, but that we are forgiven. We are set on a sure foundation, Lord. I thank you that it doesn't matter what's going on around us, circumstances we cannot control, behaviors and choices of others that we cannot control, Father. But we sit here today as people freed, Lord, freed from sin, freed from shame, free from pain, God. And we declare you Jehovah God, the one true God, the I am Father. So as we come into this time, God, to worship you, to hear from you, God, I just pray against any distraction of the enemy, Lord. I pray that our minds would be focused and fixed upon you, God. We thank you for the right and the privilege that we have to sit at the table, to worship, Father, and to stand in righteousness because you are righteous. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship our King. Amen.
Oh, we need your presence, Lord. Father, your word says that we are to abide in you, Jesus. Apart from you, Father, we can do nothing, Lord. I pray, O God, that you would stir up within us, God, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, God, for your name's sake, Lord. Yes. Pray, God, that as we gather this morning, Father, that we would come and we would just lay down the cares of life, Father. We truly would have a heart, God, that is towards you, a desire to seek you. Father, your word says, if we seek you, we will find you if we seek you with our whole heart. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness, Lord, and and your tender mercies, God, that you are slow to anger, God. Thank you for your love, God, and how, Lord, your word says that it will endure forever. Such great love that you have towards us, God. You're pleased to reveal yourself to us through Christ Jesus. That your loving kindness, O God, that leads us to repentance, Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you just for the opportunity, yet again, God, of a new day. Your mercies are new every morning, Father. We have breath in our bodies, God. Yet again, to have an opportunity to know you, to love you with our whole being. Father, have your way among us and in us and through us. And and Father, we thank you for this day that is set aside, Lord. God, to honor fathers, Lord. Lord, we pray, God, that you would strengthen fathers today, God. They would be encouraged, God. Father, that they ultimately would know you, Lord Jesus. That they would be restored, God, to their children, Father. Father, we pray for the fatherless today, God. Lord, we ask, God, that you would touch and heal them, Lord God. Ultimately, God, that they would know, Father, if their earthly father is not in their lives, God, that their heavenly father eyes are upon them and desires an intimate relationship with them, Lord. So we thank you that you are the father to the fatherless today, Lord. So, God, we look to you, Father. We need wisdom, Lord. We need counsel from on high, God, Mm -hmm. on how to continue, Father, to walk upright amongst a wicked and perverse generation, Lord. So come, Jesus. We come to sit at your feet to hear from you, God, not from man today. We need Mm -hmm. you, Jesus. We need your word. So speak, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Application. Sustained effort. Hard work. From the root word, apply. To give one's full attention to a task to work hard. So again, as we've heard for the past six months, this is our word for the year. Application. How are we doing with it? You yourself know how you're doing with it. 
Again, the Word of God says we can't just be a hearer of the Word, we have to be a doer of the Word. We understand that the Word of God says, how does He transform us? By changing the way we think, we know that the Word of God tells us that as we think, so we go. So how are you thinking? How are your thoughts? How are your thoughts? And I keep encouraging us, and I have been encouraging us, if if you're thinking of thoughts, that you see yourself as broken, as wounded, that's how you're going to live. Broken and wounded. But when you realize, especially if you're a Christian, when you understand what Christ Jesus has done for you, the ultimate sacrifice, when you understand that, that, that what He took upon Him, you deserved, And yet he freely gave his life so that you may be restored back to the Father, your Creator. No longer are you an enemy to the throne of God. Now you've been reconciled to God, your Creator. Your new creation, that which once defined you, no matter how old you are. No matter how old you are. If you come to Christ and He is your truth, then that is what begins to define your life. When you see yourself as a sinner, when you understand that in this nature, apart from Christ, I am a sinner. I am in rebellion towards Him. I'm only going to live out of what's been passed down to me. Sin. Brokenness. But in Christ, like I'm whole now. And that's now how I'm learning to live. What does it look like to live as a person that is no longer broken? That, that With the mindset that you are whole in Christ. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Peace. And to live that way in a broken world. In a world that is continuing down the path of intense brokenness. Being wounded. Confusion. Anger, hurt, strife, rebellion, murder, perversion, witchcraft, you name it. And yet, Christians, true Christians, those who truly are in Christ, have a new identity that comes forth from them, and that they're left in this world, but yet given the Holy Spirit... God Himself in us, we're protected by the name in which Jesus was given, and we're called forth to go into the world and to announce the good news of Jesus, you all. Of Jesus. And I always think every year on Father's Day, I say, God, I don't know if I ever shared this here. But every year since I've been saved, 20 some odd years, this day set aside to honor fathers is a day of intense warfare. Spiritual warfare. If we truly understand that we have an enemy who is out for our destruction, He's out to destroy and to pervert what God 
has planned and purpose. And so broken people, people who are not in Christ, they are blinded by the enemy. In fact, we understand that before we come to Christ, that is our father, Satan. We do his bidding. He is out to destroy and to pervert all that God has created. And God created. And God spoke. And God places order. But the enemy has come in and he's wreaked havoc. And Adam and Eve bought into the havoc, to the chaos. They wanted to see themselves and be God. So they bit in to what was given to them. And ever since then, the destruction of the family unit game on. If you can remove the fathers, if you can destroy fathers, you've destroyed the family. And we better wake up to this understanding. There's more today of fathers being cursed than being honored. Especially sitting in churches. And there's fathers sitting in churches who are pretending to be productive fathers. In reality, they're not. Their children see them for who they are behind closed doors. Their wives know them for who they are behind closed doors. But we have to put on the image. God, help us for what we've done. God, help us for what we've done. But do you understand? Fatherhood is designed by God Himself. And you don't think that the enemy wants nothing more than to pervert it and to distort it and to tear it down? If you remove the father, you remove the covering. But praise be to God, God has a plan. And God is a God of reconciliation. And God is a God that can restore. And God is a God that can heal. So in so if I did not reconcile with my earthly father, when my eyes are open and I recognize that I am restored to my heavenly Father, it does no longer dictate, my life is no longer dictated by what my earthly Father has or has not done for me. Yes. And I've shared with you about my Father and I. I praise God that we were restored, but for many years I lived broken. I lived broken. And I blamed him for a lot of my brokenness. But see how the enemy twisted and perverted. The enemy lies and deceives and rips apart families, removes the covering. And those who take the brunt of it are the children. The children. But again, the good news is, is that God, God, is a God that restores. He's a God of reconciliation. Ultimately, 
if my father and I had not been reconciled together, it would have been all right because I'm reconciled first with him. I wasn't trying to find my identity and my relationship with my father, nor am I trying to find my new identity and my relationship with anyone. But in Christ, so as a man in Christ, as a man who was whole, as a man who who went up and sat with his father at his father's table and began to say to my father, like, I forgive you, and I want you to know that. I'm not looking for, 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 for anything from you. But I just want you to know that I forgive you yes. and that I love you. Mm-hmm. And it was just a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. But again, I wasn't looking for a response from him. I wasn't looking for anything from him because I truly meant what I said. And some of us just need to be able to do that with our fathers. We're talking about application, unless you think I forgot. (laughs) Like you have to apply truth in your life because there's a lot of us sitting around, especially in churches, calling ourselves Christians, and we're still wounded by a father who in and of himself was wounded. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. But the reality is, this is what we're dealing with. It's an all-out war for the souls of mankind. And there's, this is an intense battle. Our enemy is clever. He perverts, he twists everything that God has created. And so when the reality comes as Christians, when we're healed, when I'm whole in Christ, when I'm restored back to my Father, my Heavenly Father, that I've been given the right to call Father, that I'm not looking for all of this stuff out here or relationships or anything else to secure me. Because I'm whole already. So I wasn't looking for my father to fix my brokenness. Because ultimately, my father did. But I could go to my earthly father. And I could sit down with him and have a conversation. And begin to reconnect with him. Not a facade. Not anything. And I didn't go to wound him or to hurt him like I did when I was a broken person. Just the knowing. And the conversations that him and I have had over the time before he passed away. The opportunities that I had to to pray with him, to minister to him, and to love on him, and to hear his stories. But ultimately to free him from my unforgiveness. Like, I don't look at you through eyes of a broken man. No, I want to look at you from the eyes of a redeemed man, of a whole man, and I want to see you whole. You see, we all have a past. We've all done things. And again, it doesn't excuse it. But do we understand that we're behind enemy lines? We're behind enemy lines. 
and there's an all-out war for the souls of mankind. And this is what we're up against. When I look at the youth that are out there, when I'm listening, when I'm counseling, when I'm mentoring, when I'm seeing what's going on in families, when I see the pain, when I see the separation, when I see the abandonment, when I see all the chaos and the brouhaha that's going on, and I say, God, first and foremost, I thank you that you are God that can heal. Those earthly relationships may never be healed. There may never be, on this side of heaven, restoration from the wickedness that has taken place. But God, what can take place on this side of heaven is a healing that can come to an individual life. And say, I no longer have to be bound to what I was or what was done to me. Because ultimately I'm bound to the one who came for me, who understood my condition. Like I'm, I'm his enemy, and yet he loves me enough and he comes to me, reveals himself to me, that I may be restored to the very one who knew me even before I was placed in my mother's womb. Well, we got to look up, you all. We got to apply truth. We got to apply truth. It's sustained effort. It's hard work because you're behind enemy lines. And so you constantly have to have your mind renewed. Instead of speaking curses, start speaking blessings. Instead of harboring hurt and pain and unforgiveness, let it go. And you say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to let it go. I need to hold on to it. For what? For what? What are you holding on to? Let me tell you of the one who came and he took that for you. Yes. Every stripe, every whip on his back, every chunks of flesh that was ripped out of him, every ounce of blood that was poured out from his body was for your peace, mm. for your wholeness. Everything you need to be healed. To be healed. I don't make light of what people go through. I don't make light of it. We all have our own stories. But the reality is we better realize who ultimately is the one who has afflicted us. The enemy. And so harboring unforgiveness, harboring anger, remained wounded, remain, remaining angry, remaining hurt, we're still staying enslaved to the one who inflicted the pain on us. And we don't want to be victims any longer, you all. Not when we can be victors. So you need to talk about what you're going through. You need to talk about what you're processing. You need to deal with the pain that is within your heart. You need to be transparent and open, first and foremost, to God. The only one who could ultimately heal you. But then God gives us a community of believers that then we can share with. That we can walk through this healing process with. Because I'm telling you, once you know that you're free, once you've tasted freedom, once you understand what it means not to be locked up in here, or locked up in here, 
Oh, you ain't going to keep going back. You're not going to keep going back. Once you understand freedom, once you understand wholeness, once you understand what it means, you're no longer bound by guilt and shame and condemnation. You're free to live life now to the fullest. Remember, our lives are but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And it's God's not it's not God's purpose or intent that you live a life shackled. Yes. No, you're supposed to be living a life for his glory. Amen. It doesn't mean you will not have trouble. Because Jesus himself said, In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. There's a way in which you get up daily. Applying truth. But I'm hurt. Apply truth. It's sustained effort. It's hard work. No one says the Christian life is going to be a cakewalk. No one has told you that you're not going to have to endure some hardships, some mental struggles, some heartache. But you get through it. Not in and of your own strength, but by depending upon that which He has given us. His Word. His truth. We are secured in our identity. If you're truly a Christian, you are secured in your identity in Christ. Because that's what the Bible tells us over and over and over and over. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're seated with Christ. You're not living out of a life any longer from defeat or despair. But you're living now out of a life of victory. And what does that look like for us? So application, we need to apply the Bible daily because it's the duty of all Christians. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book, an impractical collection of old manuscript. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me or put put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself is with us. God with us. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's words is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is a final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study. And it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. Ultimately, that's where we need to get to. We're able to distinguish between good and evil, especially in a generation where evil is now promoted as good. All around us. All around us. And that which is good is now evil. Do you understand? Like we're in a war. And we ought to be training up to get up every day to live. We're not to be cowering down, afraid. We're not to be running amok, wild. Scared? No, we just got to realize, wait a minute, God, you've called me out of all of that. And you've brought me in to Christ. I mean, do you realize, like, man, from the beginning, 
Till the end. God is revealing himself over and 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 over again. Because his desire is to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. He doesn't force himself on us. He reveals himself to us. I mean, I was reading and studying about King Ahab in my quiet time. And the Bible says that he was the most wickedest of all kings. But yet God kept revealing himself to him. And to the Israelites. I mean, for goodness sakes, the prophet called down fire from heaven. I mean, there's so much going on. And yet, these people's hearts will still harden towards God. And you think, and I think we're just going to get up out of bed and just stamp ourselves on the forehead. We're Christians. And just go about yoked to all this junk that's out there. Harboring all of our hurt and our pain and all this stuff within us. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know how I'm hurt. Yeah, but I know something. If you keep seeing yourself as that, that's how you're going to remain. We all have our own. We all have our own story. Let me tell you something. From one wounded individual standing before you, if I got up every day and kept looking at my woundedness and my hurt and my pain and my emptiness and my loneliness and my anxiousness and blah, 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 and all these desires and all this junk, it's a mess. when I begin to see the truth and when you begin to see the truth this is who you are now this is how you are to live now not in your own might nor by your own power but by the spirit of the living God in you when you realize this life is so much greater than you (laughs) your heavenly father knows exactly what's been done to you. And that's why he is there every second of your life revealing himself to you so that you would turn to him and be healed. Turn to him and be healed. Turn to him and be healed. Receive from him that you might live and not die. That you will live life in abundance. A life of peace. A life of wholeness. And this is what now then we're upholding in our homes and our families. God is to be honored. That's why the Bible says, as for me and my household, we will keep serving our past, our brokenness, our woundedness, our drunkenness, our addictions, our hurts, our darkness. 
No! 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 As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it just can't be words because that's what they were clamoring back here. It was just words. They would show up to the temple, do all their brouhaha, and God himself told them, stop praying. I'm not even listening to you. That's not even coming from your heart. You don't even mean what you're saying. You're just putting on a show. You've turned me into one of these other gods, these lesser gods that you've performed for. No, he's God, you all. He's holy, holy, holy. And there's a day in which those who are in Christ, who have been born again of the Spirit, whose eyes have been opened, are going to return to Him and for all eternity. (laughs) What? We will behold His glory. And those who aren't in him, those who still want to go on with their bondage, with their woundedness, with their sin, with their anger, with all of that junk, and still be at war against his throne, well, this miserable life that you're choosing to live every single day, that is what it's going to be, but it's going to be turned up. (laughs) And for eternity... For eternity. That is what you have. Because that is what you've chosen. But that's not what God has for you. So we've got to wake up. This is... We are positioned. You have a purpose in this generation as long as you have breath in your body. You are purposed in this generation if you, as a believer, to be a light to others. To share your testimony. To let people know what God has done for you. To share about your brokenness and your woundedness. But in the midst of sharing, you're testifying of the one, the only one who can heal you. The one that can restore you. The one that as you apply truth to the lies and the deception that you've believed. And as truth is being applied, life is coming forth. And there's a way in which you can live. Listen, there's a world out there, and there's even people sitting in here or be listening later that are hurting God wants you to give that to him. Because he's already taken that upon himself when he was nailed to the cross. But praise be to God, three days later, he came out of that tomb. And that power, the power of the resurrection, (laughs) that brings such healing. That's the comfort in which we can grab onto 
Because the Bible says that same power is within us if we truly believe in our children of God. That's within us that we may live. Yeah. Now when the when the when the past and when the woundings and when the flesh wants to scream up at you mm-hmm. or remind you, you begin to remind it. Mm-hmm. You see, in Galatians, it tells us that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. Do you understand that? That's why you have to apply. You have to take what you have received and begin to deal with that flesh. Begin to apply the truth. So I keep saying to you, I don't know how you're talking to yourself, I don't know how you're getting up and going through your day. But you better mind your words. You better mind your thoughts. You better mind your heart. Guard your heart. You better stay alert. You have an enemy who who is roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants nothing more than to destroy your soul. And that's why you ought to give thought to your soul. To the very essence of who you are. Because you're not living out of your flesh. You shouldn't be if you're a Christian. But you're learning now what it means to live out of the very essence of who you are. Of whom created you. And who you are returning to. And the good news that it brings. So that we can stand to be a beacon of light to a lost world to people who are being battered up against life and going through life. And we can say, come this way. Come this way. That's why there's an urgency to go forth and to preach the gospel. That's why he gave the disciples the the great commission. That's why he's empowered us to go to the ends of the earth. So that all those who are wounded and bound by the enemy to know that there is freedom. Ring the bells. Freedom. Freedom. So I pray that you'll be encouraged today. And that you'll find and you'll have a zeal for application to say, I'm not just coming and hearing a word anymore, but no, I want to be fully active in this newness of life because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. By faith, I believe. And in that, I have been born again. I have received the Holy Spirit of God. I have been given what I need to live this new life out. It's a process. I don't have to beat myself up. No, I can just keep getting up and keep maturing and keep growing because there's going to come a day where I'm going to stand before Him, the one who called me out. And here, well done. My good and faithful servant. Enter in. Enter in. This is what's before us. This is good news, you all. We're to be the people of God, doing the will of God for the glory of God. Go to James chapter 1. Scriptures to encourage you to persevere in your application 
of God's Word. So James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. <clears throat> James 1, verses 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look intently or carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Again, obedience. You want to know if you're applying God's truth? then you would see a level of obedience coming forth from your life. And this is what it's about. It's not about perfection, but it is about maturing. It is about growing. It's about getting up each day and getting positioned to keep moving forward. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Again, we've heard over and over and I've shared with you, you're you're not saved because of your works. You're saved because of what Christ has accomplished. But, but, If you're truly saved, works comes forth. Yes. It's a fruit of your salvation. It just comes forth. It's just who you've become. Just like before Christ, what came forth from your life is what you put your life towards. It produced something within you. And trust me, you worked hard for it. You worked hard to stay bound and defeated. Every ounce of you, you poured into your desires and your wants and your hurts and your wounds and all that junk. But in Christ now? In Christ, as you apply, obedience comes forth. Works are produced. Just what takes place. You don't have to work so hard. It works so hard to be a Christian. It works so hard to be a Christian. Because then you've made it about yourself. As we see all through the Word of God, they keep making it about themselves. And it's about God. I gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta upside down, left and right. God's gotta gotta, 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 gotta be pleased with me. God's gotta be pleased. I, I gotta do it. That's not freedom. That's not what God is looking for. That just naturally becomes who you're growing into be. (laughs) And so that's why Scripture can tells us, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. Or, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, of sin. I don't know you. Your life is producing work. But how is it viewed in the eyes of God? As an obedient servant, well done. Or as one who is still rebelling against him and laboring under the the control of the enemy of God. Ah, either way, either way, you're working. Go to Second Peter, chapter two. We're going to read chapter two, and then we're going to go into chapter three. And I, I want you to perk up. I want you to pay attention. Because I'm reminding us again that we're living in a time and as the time has been on the face of the earth since Adam and Eve bit in to that which they shouldn't have and their eyes were open and they suffered the consequences of their action and then produced those consequences within us. And we're living in ever since then, every generation, every generation, leading up to the day of his return, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And we're warned. We're warned in God's word on how we ought to be living. How vital it is to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ, to live for Christ, to honor Christ. Knowing that, the world is going to hate us because they hated him. I mean, he tells us, and we've heard it over and over, like, consider the cost. Like, this isn't just, oh, I go to church, I'm a Christian, I know a hymn or two. I know a few scriptures. I can tell a little bit. That doesn't make you a Christian. Again, what God has purposed, what God has planned, the enemy's after. I mean, again, Jesus himself tells us about, you know, tells the parable of of the sower out there sowing the seeds. And then he breaks it down. This is, this is Jesus. So he, he, he's not ignorant of what's going on, so we ought not to be ignorant. That's right. But yet many people sit in the church ignorant. When Jesus himself tells you, there'll be those who will hear the word, receive the word, and man, that word will produce within them an abundance of life, of truth. And then there's others, oh yeah, while they're sitting and they hear, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, praise God, yes, preach, preacher, yes, amen, amen. But as soon as they get up and life hits them, the 
Bible says that it's the enemy that comes, snatches it, chokes it out of them. This is what we're dealing with. And so I, I can't do it for you. You have to choose this day whom you will serve. And it should be every day. It's just not a one-time little prayer. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're... Well, I said a prayer. Poof, I'm a Christian. Poof, oh, you know. Just as the enemy has come in to destroy the structure of the family, he's come in to try to destroy the structure of the church. But I keep telling you, the true church, the true bride of Christ, those who are truly in Christ, oh, she is not spotted with the filth of this world. She's not schizophrenic, running here and muck, back and forth, back and forth, in the bed with one lover, next with another, worshiping this little God and that little God, presenting herself to anything and anything that would take her. Oh, no, no, no. She is pure. She is holy. She is without blemish spot because she knows her bridegroom is coming for her she knows that she's been called to remain alert to remain steadfast to keep her lamp filled isn't that an interesting parable hey my little virgins running around with the virgins their lamps weren't filled but somehow somehow they thought they had it in But when he returned, when the bridegroom returned, they weren't prepared. They're running them up, trying to get it all done. That is in. I don't know you. I don't know you. You see, I can't awaken anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I'm telling you, how many people sit and have sat in church for years? And there's been no application, nothing. And yet the enemy whispers, You're saved. You're secured. Because he comes in as an angel of light. Lest we think he's just constantly in us. Well, there's a part of him that wants nothing more than to say, Shh, you're okay. And you're not okay. You're not okay. You've been long asleep. And then somehow... We take that lie, we believe, that deception, and then we, then we throw the blanket over our family. Mm. <clears throat> well, they're saved. They're sanctified and sealed. Said a little prayer. Went to Sunday school. Have a knowledge. So do demons. And yet demons tremble. Like, do you understand what we're up against? <coughs> I 
and we're just going to roll out of bed. Come when it's convenient. Do when it's convenient. And I'm telling you, God, if you don't see the generation in which we're living, the generations that are coming, and you've been purposed, you've been called to be the light, to be able to stand and stand there for them. And so when we look at 2 Peter chapter 2, it talks about the danger of false teachers. Again, we understand what the generation out there on the outside is doing. But do you understand, as that's growing darker, what's happening inside? False teachers are creeping in. Lord, I was listening last night to this one guy. I said, Lord Jesus, please, God, have mercy upon him. He was just calls himself a pastor. And he is just perverting the word of God and he's showing these clips of solid men of God who's preaching the word of God, who who's upholding truth, and then he comes in, and then he begins, he says, I'm going to expose the lies in which they're teaching. And then he begins just to tear down everything. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, thank God, Holy Spirit, that you've given me truth, nothing of myself. But thank God I can recognize him as a wolf, like, God, really? And yet, thousands upon thousands upon thousands Upon thousands, like, 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 like. Finally, someone's preaching truth. Someone's holding these other wolves, calling these other pastors wolves, holding them accountable. I said, Lord God, do we not see, do we not see what we're contending against? Again, not just outside. But what's going on inside? A lot of stuff, a lot of show, a lot of this, a lot of that, a lot of brouhaha, and it's the enemy running the church, running amok. But it hasn't taken God by surprise because He tells us. And then He instructs, instructs us how we are to deal with it. Chapter 2. Second Peter. But there were also, but there were also false prophets in Israel. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. And this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many, many, many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, look at this, highlight that, circle that. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell. 
and gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except, listen to this, for Noah and the seven others in his family, Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows, come on, how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He's especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But the angels who are far greater in power and strength, do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. Mm. These false teachers are like unthinking animals. Oh, come on. Creatures of instinct. Born, oh my God. I hope you go back and read this this week. Mm. Listen to that. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, listen to this, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction, their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. These are people in the church, y'all. <laughs> These are teachers, leaders in the church in the last days. They've always been around. But oh, how it's going to ramp up, you all. Remember, there's a whole movement now, especially in the Western church, to redo Christianity. happening. Oh, you better stay strong. <laughs> they, are, they are a disgrace and a sting among you. They delight in deception. Even as they eat, oh my goodness, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes and their deeds and, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. And they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road. 
and I follow the steps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into, they are lured back into sin, those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. Hear that. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing, this is the only way, by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then, and then, get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness. <laughs> then to know it and then reject it, or, or reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returned to its vomit. And another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Oh, how I pray that you all are not a dog returning to its vomit, or a washed pig returning to the mud. Oh, how I pray that you're not being deceived. Hearing the teachings of righteousness of Christ, and yet not fully obeying the teachings of Christ. Better be very mindful of who you're listening to. What institutions you're yoking yourself with. What prophets and, and teachers and evangelists and all of it out there. You understand in the last days it's going to get even worse. These people are doomed for the darkest of dark. And they're in pulpits, they're on platforms. Everyone's seeking them, but they're not seeking Christ. God help us, you all. God help us. Pursuing dust to accomplish what only a holy God can do. Like, oh my goodness. Chapter 3. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in them both, I have tried, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets and long ago said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth 
and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately, again, these are people in the church. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present, the present heavens, heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you, who? You. If you're a Christian... But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, no, no. Hear up, perk up. Listen, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Highlight that. Circle that. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Oh my God. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy, oh my goodness, and godly lives you should live. Stop chasing dust. (laughs) Everything you're trying to cling to is going to be destroyed. And you're trying to find your identity in it. I said, Jesus, help us, God. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking. And look, this is how we live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a word, a world filled with God's righteousness. So unless you hear all that and go, oh, that's horrible. Oh, that's horrible. No, no. Yeah, if you're of the ones who are going to be destroyed, oh, yes, it is horrible. But if you're in Christ, oh, God, come quickly. Oh, the Spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come. The promise that he's given us of rest, of new heaven, of a new earth, To behold Him. Like you understand what we're waiting for. And why we can't be lazy servants of the Most High God. No. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be about our Father's business. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You've given me this day. You've given me these resources. God, I want to be a good steward of it. God, how can I use it? 
to promote your kingdom? How can I live for your kingdom? God, I want to first seek your kingdom. Because then your word says, if I first seek your kingdom, then you'll add to my life all that I need to accomplish what you've called me to do for your kingdom on this earth and the generation that you purposed me in and that you placed good works in me before you even placed me in my mother's womb to come forth from me for your kingdom. I just don't talk this way on Sundays. I talk this way every day to myself. I don't know how you're living. But you want to stay shackled and bound? You want to keep running amok in circles and circles and circles and circles? <coughs> Can't say you weren't warned. Can't say you haven't heard truth. I gotta wake up. The hour is urgent. I'm not playing church. I pray for my pastor friends and people that I know who, God bless them every day, get up and work hard every week to usher people in and <laughs> to look out amongst them. I said, Lord, give them strength, give them strength, give them strength. Had many opportunities. Many opportunities over the years to get involved with the institutional church. There's nothing wrong with them, especially if they're clinging to Christ, because there's many of them. But unfortunately, there's too many of them running them up. I said, no, God. I knew that's not what God called me to. So I finally sat down at the last offer that was extended to me, and I finally had to sit down and say, no, I really got to pursue what God has called me to, what has God called you to, and I shared the vision. They were like, of course that's what God has placed on your life. Go. It's not easy. It would be easier just to have a, you know, a building. No, open up your home. Serve and love people 24-7 so that other homes are impacted. This isn't something new. House churches have been around since the church was birthed. House churches are what the church is overseas. House churches are flourishing. Unless you think we're part of something weird. When we first started, I went and connected with some house churches, thinking, okay, let's, let's unite, let's look. But I sat there and I was like, ooh, yeah, these people aren't my people, Lord, because they're wounded people. And so a lot of churches look at house churches and they go, oh, no, y'all are, y'all are rebelling against the, the process. Now I go to pastor conferences and shake pastor's hands and they Tell me about their church. Oh, what do you draw a church? A house church, and their wrist goes limp. And then all of a sudden they turn, and all of a sudden they, they want to connect. It's okay. It's okay. I'm over that. Years ago, I'm like, God, did I hear it from you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong 
with the church building, if they're honoring Christ, if people are held accountable and there's discipleship going on and growth is happening, And there's nothing wrong with house churches where you're going to, at least in this community, where there's going to be transparency. It's going to allow just stuff run amok. No. You understand what we're contending for. Do you understand? So again, this isn't just something I'm, I'm sharing because, okay, i got to get up and put on a show for you. No, no, no. This is, how, this is the standard I hold for myself because this is the standard he holds for each of us. And so then I don't know how you're living when you get up from here. But oh, how I pray, you're hearing. Since everything, verse 11, around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised a world filled with his righteousness. There's work to be done. We're to be effective laborers in his harvest. You should be out there. You should be impacting the communities, your workplaces, stores, wherever you're at. You should be impacting. You should be the servants of Christ. Thinking of others before you think of yourself. I told you all, even when we come together in the times that we are together, on the days that the house is open, you all should be outdoing each other, serving each other. Can I serve? How can I be a part? This is what it's about. We're building a community in the last days to connect, not just with the fellowship here, but with other fellowships. Rather, they're in the church building, our house church, or the meeting in the parks. There's churches that meet in parks. I know of a family. They go, and then you know where their church is every Sunday? At a hotel where homeless families live. He pulls up his trailer, pulls out the grill, (laughs) begins to grill the hot dogs and the hamburgers, stands out there and preaches. And those families come and they sit. And they're seeing God move in incredible ways. God's people are moving you all throughout the earth. We haven't lost. (laughs) Evil may look great. It may be increasing. But those who are with us are greater than those who are on the other side. Let him run his course with his people. But in the end, they're destroyed. I'm not afraid. I don't have to fight them. They're not my enemies. I can love them. I can serve them. They can spit on me. They can laugh at me. They can mock me. They can chain me. But they can't take Christ from me. And that's what I bring them is Christ. Oh, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. And so, dear friends, 
while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. And isn't that funny? Unless you don't know really what's going on in the church world nowadays. They want to rip out the letters of Paul in your Bible. They want to deconstruct the faith. They twist his words. And the Holy Spirit, who inspires the living word, even captures it to make us aware, oh, they did it then? It's going to continue. It's going to continue. But it's the wisdom that God gave him to pen these letters to the church. (laughs) I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Application, you all. You must grow. You must grow. And the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He cannot just be a concept. Oh, he's true for me today, but he's not true tomorrow. So I've always told you, you can't be God now. Or like, amen, oh, praise God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get the phone call. And then all of a sudden, he's not God. Mm, all of a sudden. We have, now we have issues with him. Come on. You've got to stop making a mockery of who he is. I keep telling you, you cannot trample the blood of Christ and keep splashing it up on people, making it so common and so unholy as if it has no power. Because they look at your life, they hear that you're a Christian. I'm a Christian, I'm going to church, I'm a Christian. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, you're making a mockery of Christ. Oh, God loves me. How horrible that you can even announce it but have no clue on what it means. Of what he's accomplished because of his love. Listen, I would have loved nothing more than at the beginning of my walk to cling to the fact that God loved me. After hearing my whole entire life since a youngin how much he hated me. How much he hated me. I was an abomination. God hates you. Remember my continual hookup with this young guy in my neighborhood. And every time we would hook up afterwards, he would begin to tell me how we're going to hell, we're going to hell, we're going to hell, we're going to hell. (laughs) 
God hates me. God hates me. Listen, I would love nothing more than the beginning of this whole process that God has started because I don't start it and you don't start it. He reveals such great love. Like, oh, oh, God, you love me? Well, then you must accept me. How I am is my cross to carry. I wanted to believe it. Oh, yeah. The people who were around me when I first got saved. Oh, yeah. Woo-hoo. Oh, I had a vision. I was going to be oh, the big gay preacher. Going out there for the gay youth. Rescuing them. Giving them hope. Secure them and their desires. Then I kept reading. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I sat down with a Unitarian pastor. (laughs) I sat down with these new age people and these new Christians. And I heard them and I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Okay, okay, this is just warfare. This is, you know. Which I would go into, then I would go to actual churches, and then I was told I was the devil. I wasn't allowed, and so I'm like, oh God, what's going on? My mind is crazy. I spent many of hours huddled in a corner, just rocking, as my Kate lover just stood over me, going, I don't know what to do for you. What's going on? What is it today? Broken, I was dark. The demons ripping at my skin. The torment of my mind, of the darkness in which through years I, I asked for it to enter in. The pact that I made with Satan years ago. Like all of that that defined me. It would have been just easy to say, God loves me. Oh, oh that's good. Okay. And I can just go on how I want to live. But that's not the Christian life, you all. And yet there's a lot of people sitting in churches today. God loves me. God loves me. And yet, and yet, they're not saved. Listen. It's the greatest lie of all. God's love. God's love. God's love. Don't cheapen it. So that you can continue to live how you want. No, he loves you. There's no doubt about that. As an enemy of his, he loves you. But salvation comes not because he loves you. It's because of his love. And what he did because of his love that brought forth the means of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in his love will not perish but have everlasting life. No, that's not what scripture says. Scripture says, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And that's why I tell you all, get out there, talk with people. Yeah, God loves me. Oh, listen, I've had the best conversations with people. Oh, you're right on the edge, man. If you know that much, then tell me what God did because of his love for you. Because that's where we got to get to. We got to get to Jesus. We got to get to Jesus. We got to get to Jesus. Because once I saw Jesus and I saw what he did for me, like, oh, I've considered the cost. Like, Lord, I'm yours. I'm marked for Christ. You're marked for Christ if you're in Christ. And now there's a way in which you ought to be living and growing and maturing and seeking and obeying Christ and stop trampling His blood as if it's nothing. Like you understand because your eyes have been opened. Like what? You love me and because you love me, a wicked sinner in complete rebellion towards you, because of your love, you drew me to yourself. And then you're pleased to reveal yourself to me through your son Jesus, who you offered up for me? That he took all that for me? I deserve that? And yet he took it? No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. And we're living in a generation where God's love is being perverted and twisted. don't even have Jesus. They don't even know Jesus. And what a tormented hell place, hell's going to be for people. They knew God loved them. But they refused Christ. Come on, you all. Come on. Come on. Fan the flame. Fan the flame, Holy Spirit. Breathe afresh upon us. Awaken us, awaken us, awaken us for the urgency of the hour to live for Christ, to know Christ, to love Christ. Yes, his love pierced the darkness, but freedom didn't come until I and you call upon Christ. (laughs) Belief and a confession. By faith. Jesus, you're the Son of God. And you rose from the grave. He's defeated sin and death. This is the message in which we have to go forth. Amen. To declare to a world that is bound. <coughs> oh, how I pray that you're not bound today, you all. And if you are... <laughs> I'm not sure why you want to stay bound. His mercies are new every morning. His desire is that you would mature, that you would grow, that you would know him. We heard it earlier. He's patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. 
And yet, we don't talk about repentance much. <laughs> Do you see what the enemy has done? Uh, just, you know, God loves you. <laughs> he understands. Just listen, keep doing what you're doing. Oh, until you know. Come on. Making a mockery. Doing a disservice. And ultimately, we're just like these teachers. Unless you think you need a platform. Unless you think you need a platform. You call yourself a Christian, people look at your lives. Especially the youth in your lives. And what are you passing on to them? How are you seeing Christ in your life and all that he is? How he's taken taken a wretched sinner and brought forth a new creation. Behold, all things are new. Y'all to get up and look at yourself and go through the day and remind yourself that. Well, I can lay it all down. See, once that truth hit my life, I didn't, I didn't lay in a corner anymore. If I did, it was before Christ calling and praying and interceding. But it wasn't bound anymore. Like, no, no, once that truth hit me, what? I got free? I'm telling you, I'm like, I can't say it enough. Once you've tasted freedom, once you get in, Ooh, feels good. Oh, I'm going deeper. Because I want more. Like what? You're going to restore this chaos in my heart and my mind? Not because of anything of me. I have to follow the rules. I have to follow the laws. I have to do this. I have to do that. No, no, no. No, because what all you've already done for me? Like what? What? I would be a fool. You would be a fool. I have to follow him. And to grow like him. Do you understand? That's the standard. Not because man says. But because God himself has said. Those who are in Christ shall live as Christ lived. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. We're not becoming little gods, but we're being conformed into the one who we identify with now. Because I'm in Christ. I'm seated with Christ. I'm protected in Christ. I'm provided for in Christ. I'm healed in Christ. Like, come on, you all. He's doing great things throughout the earth. Yes. He's just looking for a people who will be his people. And that they will call him their God. That they would live for him. That they would be kingdom people. Taken out, but yet kept in to be his ambassadors. Full access. Full access to the throne. Ask, seek, knock. There's so many times we're just 
praying little soulless prayers. Just throwing them up. Do we even know? Do we even know him and what we have access to? Do we even understand what we're to be cultivating as the Holy Spirit leads us? Not by what we want to do, because it's easier. This, this is easy. I just go to church. I poop, poop, say my little prayers and poop, poop, give my little gift and do my little thing. And okay, I must be okay. Ah, ah. Warning, warning, warning. Destructions ahead. No, it's all for him how your life is to be lived. we got to stop dancing around. Listen, I told you, I will go through the wilderness with you. <laughs> but I will not take up camp. <laughs> if you want to take up camp in the midst of your wilderness, that is you. Yes. You know, that's not, that's not a good shepherd. You're not a good pastor. No, no, no. No, no, it is. <laughs> it is. You want it, I'll turn you over to it. Because ultimately, that's what he does. The ultimate shepherd. (laughs) We will go through as a fellowship and as a community. We will go through. But once you start digging in your heels, you ain't holding us back. Go and feast off of all you want. Gorge yourself to death with it. But don't say you weren't warned. Ah, those people don't love nobody. No. I love people enough to say, huh? Have your share. Paul says, turn that man over to Satan. Remove him from your fellowship. Turn him over to Satan in hopes. In hopes that his soul will be saved, you all. You just don't turn them over and just like dismiss them as, you know, whatever. But no, sometimes you just got to turn people over. In hopes that they will be saved. Because a lot of times, what people want, they don't want the Savior. They just want the benefits of the kingdom. And they just want to take and 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 take. But no, 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 no. We got to wake up, you all. Oh, we will go through the depths of darkness and walk through it. But we're not yoking ourselves and staying down. Listen, we've got to wake up, you all. And I keep telling you, you've got to be very careful in y'all's relationships, whether it's your families, whether it's your friends, or people I'm ministering to. Listen, some of y'all are in God's way because you're their God. They need to suffer the consequences. Oh, but I just don't, that's my family, that's my blood. I just, just, the fault of whatever. You want to remain a little God? Go ahead. But you're in God's way. You're in God's way. They're calling on more you than they are on God. We've got to wake up, y'all. We've got to be as innocent as a dove and wise as serpents. We've got to understand the times in which we're living. 
We've got to remain alert and steadfast. We've got to depend upon the Holy Spirit. We've we got to draw from the strength in which we've been given through Christ. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. And we just need to get out there. Start living. Well, I made a mistake. Then get up. Well, I've stumbled today. Get up. Well, this thing just keeps... Why are you looking at that all the time? No one's expecting you to be perfect. No one's expecting you not to go through, especially when you're coming out of such chaos, such bondage, such strongholds, such cycles of, of, of just junk and junk and junk and junk. Yes, can he speak and it be broken off? Yes, he can, and he has for people. But unfortunately, the majority of the time, he doesn't do it that way. Follow me. Oh, but Jesus. Rob, follow me. Oh, my God. Rob, follow me. Listen, you have to walk it out. So we understand what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. To apply truth to our lives that we might live and not die. That we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love praying that prayer. Especially when things come pushing up against me. Push back out. And say, no, God. Your word says. And if it says it, I believe it. That I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Take whatever you want from me, God. Because no enemy cannot have access to me. Unless for your divine will, you purposed it but it'll be for my good. What he's intended for evil, it'll be for my good. Mm-hmm. See, there's a way to live, you all. I just go to church. You go to church. No, we got tired. Come on, come on. Could you imagine if people collectively came together living for Christ? The impact that we can have in our community? And you saw that picture I posted, I believe it was from the Philippines. Yeah. Thousands upon thousands of people being baptized. God is moving over the earth, you all. God is moving. We ought to start being a part of that movement. So that the generation that's coming up, they're being bombarded every which way. And they need to see that God is alive and on the throne through our lives. They need to know that Jesus is just not another concept. Oh, it's your truth and my truth and this truth. No, he is truth. And they ought to be trained up in the ways of the Lord. No, we ought to really start speaking blessings instead of constantly having cursing coming out of our mouths. Mm-hmm. There is power in the tongue. And guard your heart and your mind. We're going to close with the prophecies. Again, <clears throat> and yet another tool I'm presenting to you all, I can't force you, but I hope that you would go forth from our times together 
take the notes which are sent out, sit down, develop a time that you're meditating on the Word of God, that you're chewing on it, that you're getting involved. If you can't make it on Wednesdays, then connect with someone within the fellowship that you can have conversation with, to be encouraged by, to ask your questions, to share your your, your struggles, to be encouraged by the things of God. But yet, this is another tool, the prophecies concerning Christ. I just want to keep reminding us as we're going through the next few weeks on these prophecies, that prophecy is important. It shows God's control over history and that what he predicts does come to pass. He is in control of his plan and purpose. He will have a people that he will call his own and they will call him their God. Prophecy proves the integrity of scripture. It protects us from false teaching and it prepares us for the last days. Oh, how we should be sitting down with our youth, with the Word. God is real. We can't force them to believe, but we can give them truth. We can pray for them. And as the seed is being sown, that it will come forth from their life. And they would go, oh, wait a minute. I mean, I do, I love talking. And I've shared this before. I love talking to these, these younger, I hate to call them kids, they're not kids, but these young adults. And hearing their lives and how they've loved Jesus and how you know God has brought them through and just hearing their testimony. And God, and I've shared this before here, God corrected me years ago. Because I was like, oh, wow, you know, oh, that's really nice, you know, oh, you know, as if that's, as if, as if that is, shouldn't be the norm. Like that's, 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 that's the, that's the odd way of doing it. And we say, oh, kids, but yet on the flip side, we'll hear what we made the norm, especially in the church is, well, kids are going to be kids. They're just going to have to go through. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Like when I hear these kids and I look at them and I see that they are conditioned and they are bombarded with the same filth that all these other kids are bombarded with and yet they have guarded their hearts and their minds because the Word of God has been, they've been instructed with the Word of God and at some point in their youth they said yes. Like I believe not because this is my grandmother's, my mother's, my father's, my uncle's, my aunt's, my friend's faith. No, it's my faith. I believe. Rob, there came a time that I believed, and I believed, and, and yet, Rob, you know, I was talking to this young man the other day, and I'm just like, God, how awesome. You know, he's in college, and he faces everything that every young man in college faces. And you know, he gives himself daily to Christ. I go, God, that should be the norm. Yes. He shouldn't feel like he's the odd one out. So there's a way in which we should be instructing ourselves, the youth. And when we can truly understand prophecy that what God has purposed, what God has planned, what God has spoke, He will bring it about because He's God. Yes. He's not these lesser gods out there. No, He's God. 
So, let's look at three today, and then we'll wrap up. Prophecy concerning Christ. The next one, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Go to Micah. Chapter 5. <coughs> Micah chapter 5, verse 2. village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Did you hear this? This is, this is back then. This is the prophet of God speaking. The one who would come from Bethlehem. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is the fulfillment. Verses 1 through 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About the time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn, the king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Prophecies concerning Christ, number one. Today, born in Bethlehem. The next one, born of a virgin. Go to Isaiah chapter 4. Seven. Oh, yep, thank you. Isaiah 7, chapter 14, I mean, verse 14. Again, another prophet speaking this prophecy of the one who would come. Chapter 7, verse 14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him, my God, hear this, Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. The fulfillment of that is in Luke. Go back to Luke. Chapter 1. Verses 26 through 35. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the, baby, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Oh, Jesus. Woo! Finally, the prophecies concerning Christ. The death of the infants. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. <clears throat> Verse 15. Sometimes we want prophecy to be this, woo-hoo, but sometimes it humbles us. This is what the Lord says. A cry is heard in Ramah, deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children, Refusing to be comforted, for her children are gone. Yeah. Go to the fulfillment of this is in Matthew. Oh God, we would know our God, you all. Woo! Jesus, Jesus. Matthew 2, verse 16 through 18. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah. Weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted. For they are dead. Prophecies, you all, concerning Christ. Spoken and fulfilled. You can't make this stuff up. Oh, man wrote the Bible. I said, come on. It's been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what you hold in your hand? Do you understand the access that you have? God speaks through. It's put to be your sword. It is what he gives you to tear down strongholds. He gives you the weapons of your warfare. And we gotta wake up. We got we got we got so much to be grateful for. We really do as Christians. And if you're not a Christian today, or if you or if you just held a form and and you kind of feel like I don't feel like I'm I'm there. (laughs) I'm not sure what's holding you back from calling upon him. (laughs) Because it's faithful love, you all. It is his love that leads you and brings you to repentance. If you're if you're living a life and you're stamping his Slapping his name on, on your life and you're not honoring him. Listen, you all, you're storing up wrath. 
Oh, I don't believe that. Well, okay, then I always encourage people, show me in Scripture. Show me in Scripture. I've challenged people over the years, and no one's been able to. Oh, they may be able to point to a Scripture, and they may be able to twist it, but that's why you need the whole council. Mm -hmm. The whole council. Because you can take this and this and twist it, but if it doesn't remain true the whole way, it's not the truth. So that's why you can't remain ignorant. God is moving in our time, awakening His bride, fulfilling His purpose and His plan. He is coming. He is coming for those who belong to Him. Oh, we have so much to be grateful for. Allow this song to be sung over you, and then I'll close us in prayer. And we'll pick up and with our scriptures, <laughs> Chronicles and Romans next week.
Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those arms Give up and praise the Lord Oh, come on, my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Ooh. Mm-hmm.